Kia ora whanau and welcome to Papatua Nuku Podcast. My name is Leonie Kent and I will be the host over the next 10 episodes. We'll be discussing all the different aspects of te mana o te wahine, atua wahine, what it means to be a wahine in the modern day and age. We'll be inviting guests along and breaking down whakatauki and talking about everything to do with te mana o te wahine. Mau toni mai. Inga mana, inga reo e rauranga Welcome back to the Papatua Naku podcast. My name is Leonie Keynes and this is episode 5. Today we're going to be talking about manawahine versus feminism. What's the difference? Does feminism differ from manawahine? And if so, how does it differ? What are the issues surrounding feminism for wahine Māori in modern day Aotearoa? So first of all, I just wanted to uh, set up the corridor with um, distinguishing between, we've talked about it before, manatāne, manawahine, uh, and interlinked. They're just, they're two parts of a whole and kind of can't be taken out of context, whereas feminism um, is about equality for women and ensuring they have the same rights and et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, my belief is those inequities don't, exist or didn't exist traditionally for Māori people and therefore the the desire for equity or equality is more uh, like a westernised kind of gaze looking in at Māori and judging on what they see but not what they know. Um, it kind of comes, a good example of that and I'm coming back to the whale rider again and it's um, Nikki Caro who is the director of whale rider. She's a Pākehā woman, she's a feminist, self-titled, self-proclaimed feminist and uh, there was a scene in Whale Rider, a particular scene where Paikia, one of the main characters, well the main character, the young girl sits in the front row on the pai pai with the men and refuses despite calls to sit at the back um, and I believe that this is viewed and was kind of the intention of the director was to kind of highlight and that's highlight with uh, air quotation marks uh, highlight the, the inequities in Māori tanga in that women are subservient and must sit behind and must sit at the back and, you know, have have their place at the back of the men. And that's what it could look like from the outside looking in. But, you know, for Māori living inside of that, that sphere with tikanga and, and understanding what was going on, traditionally it was about protection and taking care of the wahine because, you know, te tangata is a big part, bearing babies, nurturing, all that side. But also, you know, that was kind of the role was protection and taking care of. We've got the warriors. You've got all of the tipuna, atua, tohunga, all the different people within the pa. And so, you know, it was the job of the warriors or the, the boys out the front to, to protect. And so with a Western lens it's going to look a particular way it's going to look like a a feminist issue within Māori tanga and uh, which is something I disagree with because I believe that the director was unable to kind of um, take that bias out of her of her craft she wasn't able to let that go and just not put her own feminist spin on it um, and it's, I mean, it can be said that, you know, there were some inequities and, and the cruel character had issues with her being a girl and et cetera, but I just, if you read the book and you read Witi Ihimaida's version as opposed to Nikki Kaoru's version, I believe there's some, there's a, 
something lost in translation between the two, between the book and the in the movie. And I think that comes down to but he's able to write and talk about it and portray and the innate knowledge and the innate, you know, things that we know as Maori and um not put that feminist spin on it because obviously he's not a feminist white woman feminist he may he may be a feminist i don't know um so when it comes to feminism versus manawahine manawahine is um like we said they have roles and responsibilities they have a special standing in the marae they have uh this understanding this tikanga that everybody adheres to and so there's no like inequity in that there is uh, obviously exceptions there's the obvious kind of um colonised, westernised, adopted kind of view of, of the role of men and women that comes from the missionaries and comes from, you know, all of from the Bible, uh, which kind of shattered and broke up a lot of the, f- the understanding and the family structure that Māori had. It wasn't mum and dad and two kids, it was the wider whanau, the wider whananga, hapu, iwi, you know, there was no nuclear immediate family, so to speak. You know, it wasn't such a special kind of little family, it was always the wider whānau, which is to some extent a lot of whānau families in modern day Aotearoa still live that way and have uh, rich connections to their wider whānau. So coming back to the point, <laughs> feminism and manawahine, I think because manawahine is easily identifiable as, you know, strong women, proud women, you know, all these things, and on a superficial level it looks to be equal and the same as feminism, but without that understanding, that knowledge, that traditional understanding of tikanga, of kawa, of how things were and how things are supposed to be in, in the understanding, I believe that feminism and, and manawahine are very fundamentally different in the way that feminism is about uh, balancing inequality and, and equity. And whereas <clears throat> trad- traditional and in a lot of Māori families th- today, the wahine are also head of the household. There is no one head of the household. There's a mum and then there's dad and there's nanny and there's koro. You know, <clears throat> wahine have their own mana, their own power, their own uh, voice. There is no squashing of that. There's obviously going to be conflicts around opinions and et cetera, et cetera, but that's not traditionally uh, in, in a lot of, well, my iwi in particular, I can only speak for that one, is the tāne and the wahine are equal, were equal in respect and mana. However, with uh, more modern times and now that I've gotten older and structures have changed and artificial kind of groupings come together like runanga and all these different things that have kind of disrupted our, our style of living have uh, put an emphasis back on that, on that colonised way of, well, I'm the tāne and I'm the head of the household and you should be listening to me. We don't want to be seen to be run by women and all this misogyny and whatnot comes into it, but traditionally that doesn't belong to us. That's kind of been imposed and through time and through uh, enforcement, through schools, through media, through everything, this is how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to adopt this Western way of thinking, uh, which is probably a lot of conflict in my opinion. So it's uh, Simmons uh, has suggested that the distinguishing features of Manawahine locates it firmly in the wider social and political fabric of New Zealand and colonisation has attempted to disrupt the balance between Manawahine, Manawhenua, Manawhanau and Manawatua. Manawahine is but one space with which we can critically analyse the impact of colonisation on all of these institutions and there are many others. <clears throat> also representations of Manawahine have been inherent influenced by the colonisation of New Zealand and in particular the adoption of Christianity and feminism 
Uh, not to say that feminism isn't needed. Obviously, it is. There's a lot of arguments for why uh, wahine are unequal. But with being Māori women, <clears throat> you kind of at the back of the bus. You know, we've got the rich white guys and rich white women, and then even Māori men, and then Māori women are kind of in, in a lot of a lot of views and a lot of ways last at the back of the bus. But that hasn't stopped us before, as every Māori man who has a opinionated mother, auntie, sister, cousin will attest to. There is no quietening us, no dimming our voice. You can try it. I'd like to see. <laughs> um, so amana wahine is often understood to be a type of Māori feminism, but... <clears throat> It extends kaupapa Māori theory by exploring the intersection of being Māori and female in all of the diverse and complex things located in this intersecting space can mean. It is based on Wahine is about making visible the narratives and experiences in all of the diversity of Māori women. And that's uh, by Johnston and Pihama, the only Pihama again, my favourite. Also, we spoke about whale ride and how it was a device to explore how Pākehā perceives the role of wahine in the Māori world and how the feminist lens exposes the bias and misunderstanding of mana wahine via, via the Eurocentric feminist discourse. So Leone Pihama also said their Pākehā gender perspectives don't translate wahine as much more than the Western notion of women. Uh, we talked earlier in an early episode about wā meaning time and space and hine as a feminine kind of essence or the knowledge bearer. Um, and she also described mana wahine as a role-based rather than gender-based role. So the status and mana of our tupuna wahine was deliberately denied and needs to be deliberately resolved. So suffrage 125 years was not a celebration for mana wahine. Women getting the vote was a small step and claiming back where we were, not a significant step. She also added, Leonie Pihama, added that suffrage is celebrated on the basis that Western democracy works for women, but it hasn't worked for Māori women. So I'm just going to leave you with that thought because that Leonie is very smart. Ngāmihi. Thank you for joining us in another episode of Papatua Nuku Podcast. We have more in store for you next week. So like, share, subscribe to this podcast so you can be updated with all of our latest episodes. Thank you very much for joining. We'll see you again next time.